Rec Yard Women's Prison Podcast, where we are live on the Rec Yard every Wednesday night. Hey! <laughs> Keep on! Keep on, Tunchi. Keep on. And we do need to come up. We do need to make a good intro. A really, because we're cooler than that intro. I realize that. (laughs) (laughs) Honey, I love it. It's professional. And I want you to have a a high paying salary as a social media person at a corporation because it's very, it's, it's spot on professional. I don't think it captures the, I don't think it quite captures how rowdy we get here. On the but did you see though. the ladies on the rec yard? I did. I saw it. I saw okay. it. Because I, I can play it. it again if I need to. If you missed, <laughs> no? Okay. Well, Shaquille's already here and we're so happy. Hi, Shaquille. Hi, Stephen. Good evening, guys. Melanie from Oklahoma's here. Ginger's here. You guys, we're so happy to see everybody. Rayanne, thanks for joining us on the Rec Yard. We are live here every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. I am Marcy Marie. And I'm Tunchi. Tunchi. Tunchi, somebody asked me where you got your name. And obviously, your last name is Toon. So it's a play on that. It's it, it has more to do with, uh, you know, Tunchi. It's spelled a different way for Lil Wayne, but it's Tunchi after Lil Wayne. Um, I had a notorious reputation in prison, and so um, they nicknamed me after Lil Wayne. <laughs> did they really? I love that. Well, I- Diane did. She took my last name, and then I had no idea Little Wayne's nickname was Tunchi, um, but it is. So it's kind of a mashup of both of those things. So that's where Tunchi came from. And you rode you rode that nickname through your entire incarceration, or the second one, the second ten years. The first ten years was Woody. from the little cowboy from Toy Story. From Toy Story. I can see that. Mm -hmm. I wish that you would dress up as Woody for, we should do (laughs) When it gets closer to Halloween, I can be. I'm not doing that. I can be Buzz Lightyear. Lightyear (laughs) You know what? That would be a pretty good show though. Yeah, that's I'd be Woody and you can be Buzz Lightyear. And we can talk about Halloweens in the penitentiary because we had some Halloween parties and we made some pretty killer costumes. We did. So that's that's for another day, right? You must have been, you know, I was wearing my Camp Crystal Lake shirt right now. So maybe Mm -hmm. that's, we're feeling very inspired by... Yeah, you're giving off those vibes. uh, I give off a lot of vibes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I know. Women just run sometimes. They run, run, Marcy, as fast and as furious as they can to get yes, away. Yes, yes. <laughs> gracious. Um, well, we do have a topic tonight, though, that's not uh, Halloween. And it is safe pee. Safe pee. But before we dive into that, when you see, um, it says up there, Facebook user, that's from the private Linus group. Um, and I can tell you who that is. <laughs> that's Lauren Johnson. Oh, um, yes. Uh, She's always coming in with the good advice. So this is, this is 
this says Gerald Ray, but I just want you to know it's my mama. And so she's here. I shout <laughs> out to mom. Hi, mom. Thanks for tuning in, mom. Um, and so Lauren's giving us advice about our new intro. If you guys missed the intro, um, I want to play it again, but I'm not going to. But, um, <laughs> because I did work on it. <laughs> I did work on it, but she's saying it needs to say, meet us back here at the rec yard next week. And that's cute. The end line should be meet us back here at the rec yard. And we do want to see you guys back on the rec yard next week, too. Mm -hmm. We will be here. Um, yeah, we have lots of regulars tuning in. And I see some new names also. Uh, Carrie. And we're just so glad to have you all. Thanks. Thanks. Um, Justin's on here. We're so happy to see you guys. So um, safe pee. Safe P. So tell people, do you know what the acronym stands for? Um, substance abuse felony punishment felony program. I think um, it's program. It I may be punishment. It's punishment. It's I'm, punishment. I'm Googling it right now because I don't really trust you. I, you know, very few people do. <laughs> <laughs> Punish, maybe punishment program. The Republicans don't even trust us to make an emergency exit plan when there's a fire in the prison. So oh. um. <laughs> that was like right to right to the heart. Shaquille says substance abuse, felony punishment. You got facility. it. She's, yep. she's on it. She's on top of her game. Thank you, Miss Oatmeal. Um, so that's for probationers. Now, for those of us who were already incarcerated, and it's our parole answer. It is called ITPC, which is in prison. Prison. IPTC. In prison treat. In prison treatment. Did you do your homework? Honey, I told you I've been geeked out on painkillers all day because I leaned down to goose the cat and I threw my back out. And that's what you get. You're trying to do too much, honestly. <laughs> so I'm sitting in this chair right now in a lot of pain. <laughs> inmate treatment. No, it's not inmate. I know it's in not. prison. In prison treatment. <laughs> therapeutic community. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. In prison therapeutic community. That's exactly it. what it is. That's but it. it's the the, the programs are identical. Yeah, they're the same thing. So they're even though things. that second one doesn't have the word substance abuse in it, it is still very much focused around substance abuse. It is given as a parole answer. And um, it's in Texas, it's a FI5. It's given a, a, as a parole answer. It was my parole answer. It was uh, mine too. <laughs> yes. They, it's a, it's kind of a lot about money, that parole answer, honestly. Um, and I'll just give you an example. My girlfriend, Brittany, her and I were incarcerated together. She has multiple drug charges, a very big drug history. I have zero drug charges, zero drug history. I mean, I've smoked pot like two times in my life. Um, and honestly, if you want to know, I liked it. I was just kind of scared because I'm divorced with kids and I didn't want that to get in the way. Right. It's illegal in Texas and all of that. So but um, that's my drug history. And I didn't have a problem like an alcoholic problem or anything like that. No kind of prescription pills, nothing like that. We both see parole at the same time. The board votes on both of us at the same time. 
she gets an FI1, which means she goes home 30 to 45 days and they send me to a drug program. It's, <laughs> it's essentially a drug program. So mm-hmm. when you question that, they, the state or the agency, TDCJ staff, they like to say, well, it's about behavior modification. Right. It's not necessarily a substance abuse program. Mm-hmm. However, Tunchi. Yeah. When I got there, you do an intake because they assign you a substance abuse counselor. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And she's doing my intake and I'm and I'm just being straight with her. Yes, I took lots of money. Yes, it was multiple transactions, you know, uh, and then we get to but we're get to the substance part. And she's like, well, have you how many times have you used this? And it's like through every single drug you can imagine. And all of that. And I'm like, well, it's I've just what I've told you guys, what my history was. And she says, why are you here? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's a great question. What are you that's doing a great here? Question. Well, you know, um, <laughs> the second time, Marcy, no, the, the first time I was locked up, I did 10 on a 20, made my first parole. Uh, unheard of, right? Had a very sympathetic um, uh, parole panel that had worked with kids before. So really sympathetic to, you know, I was a child. Um, but the second time I got locked up, I knew, oh my God, they are going to make me do this. The rest of the, I had a 10 left and then a 12 on top of that and it run concurrent. But I was like, there's, there's no way they're going to let me make parole. I mean, I've already made parole once they gave me a chance. I know how their mindset is and, uh, what is going to be, what's going to be helpful to me. So baby, when I went through intake, I told them I was uh, stumbling down drunk. And I'm not saying that I didn't have a problem with alcohol the last year I was locked up. I did, but the, the alcohol was a symptom of the personality disorder symptoms. Right. Um, but I knew that they hand out that safe P that FI five, like candy, right? Like they, I mean, it, it, if they can get you into that, they're going to get you into that. And I thought I, I had a better chance. No, ma'am, um, I didn't. <laughs> so I did uh, almost the whole 12 years. I did about almost 10 years on the 12. And then I get the FI5, which is, you know, a six months um, stay at the, the program and then another three months of aftercare. And um, yeah, that's what they told me too. I, when they were asking me, well, how much did you drink in this? And I'm like, well, you know, and they're like, well, you don't really have a severe substance use problem, but this is behavior modification. So tell people what behavior modification is, because they're going to want to know what type of therapy we're we talking about. This was also the therapy back in the 90s that they gave us as children. This was snitch camp. It was holding your peers accountable for their actions. That's basically the core value taught there. And the basis off of all of their programming is it's snitch camp to Mm -hmm. tell on anyone for any minor infraction. Yeah. Everything is designed to use uh, fear-based punishment-based, shame-based behavior modification, right? Like in in ways to um, shape your behavior uh, through the lens of 
holding one another accountable. And, and you know, one of the things that we used to say is, um, you know, I, I have to learn to hold myself accountable and, and not through shame and not through guilt and, and not through, um, you know, I, you don't spend all day in your neighborhood reporting people to the police for every, you know, or you report them to the neighborhood watch because they've got too many something in their yard they're not supposed to like this is how strict that type of thinking was and um it was a nightmare so marcy which which one were you at you were at halbert were you i at was Hal at henley oh you were at henley too with i me. was oh jesus <laughs> but it was covid time yeah so that's a whole nother thing um we were we were getting this program that would require us to go to a whole nother facility and be exposed and bring germs and all of that in the middle of the pandemic. So number one, it took forever to pull chain. Mm -hmm. We had to wait forever because if your dorm was on lockdown or they had a dorm with it was on lockdown or, you know, it just that it took. So you get your parole answer. This is how, <laughs> let me paint the scene. Like, you get the parole. Marcy, you made parole. Oh, I'm, I can't believe I made parole. What is it? It's an FI5 safe P. Oh, shit. Well, I'm not coming home this year. That's right. <laughs> you made parole, but you're not going home right now. It's it's a whole process. So we get over there and yeah, it's we, when we finally got down there, they were locked down. The counselors weren't coming in the dorm. They were shooting paperwork underneath the door. And um, we actually, for a, a short time, we had like a safe P uh, professional. It was like her third or fourth time. Oh, and you mean the person locked up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a girl locked up with us. And um, it was her third or fourth time. And she knew, man, she knew, the, she knew everything. <laughs> so she would get that paperwork. And we were getting up and getting in a circle on our own. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, it was a little absurd. Like, I'm just going to admit it, that I was just going with it at first. And then, you know, me, I'm like, wait, just hold the fuck up. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, where this is not required. But then what happened was because it's a snitch camp, those of us who were like, all right, this is getting a little ridiculous. Like, we're just what are we doing here? You know? And, um, then we were getting told on. Mm -hmm. and so then the counselors are like sending notes to us because that we or talking through the door, like it was a glass door and we're talking through the door because they are, it's COVID and they don't want germs and we don't want free world germs and all of that. And, uh, they're trying to coach us. It was ridiculous. And, you know, there's a whole thing, like there's a whole, MTC, which is um, who facilitates that safe P programming, they ended up, there was, I don't know if it's le the legalities of it, but basically they build TDCJ, oh, the yeah. Department of Criminal Justice, a lot of money. For, for services that they weren't giving y'all during COVID or when we were there. So when, when I got shipped to Henley, what was that? Two, I got out... Um, December, Taylor's birthday, right? That was 2018. Yep, I did it. The count it, y'all. That's one. That's one reference. Um, 
so I was there this from like June to December of 2018. Right. And for a lot, half of the time, the staff did just what you said. <laughs> Here's paper. We're not even coming in there. It was just like they were getting away with providing the most piss poor services to begin with in billing. They wouldn't come in. They'd write something on the board and, and walk off. So in, the, in this dorm, which is very different than how me and Marcy did the bulk of our time, right? Is that there is a president of the dorm. There's the leader of the dorm and it's, we're supposed to guide and lead each other as a community. Right. And then every hour on the hour, we would have group girl. God bless my soul. <laughs> we would get up, you know, we already get up early there anyway. And it and immediately, this stuff is like almost, if y'all can imagine, like some military boot camp stuff mixed in with some weird cult stuff mixed in with some prison, therapeutic stuff. prison stuff, right? Yeah. And so we would get up early in the morning. These were bunk beds, which, by the way, I don't know how many times you saw people fucking land on the floor because those guards at Henley were the worst officers I have ever encountered in, in 20 years. Um, so we get up and it's morning. It is group from morning until it's time to turn the lights off. You might get one hour of free time and it is back to back groups. You can't lay down. You can't sit down and you're in your, your little chair. They're in rows in the day room and you're, you're sitting there and you've got to sign in each group. And it's just, it's the same groups over and over, but that morning group and the, the people incarcerated lead it. And I am not a morning person. I don't know about you, but I, I'm not. It's a, don't fuck with me. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. Let me get my coffee. Let me get settled. But this is, I'm do it. Here's the singing. Here we, y'all, because there's singing, there's chanting, there's all this crazy shit happening. So here I am getting into that little circle, right? All right, everybody. And so this one person stands in the middle of the day room and is screaming and singing at the top of her lungs. Did y'all do that? We did not okay. do that. <laughs> so imagine you're sitting around that day room in the dorm at Henley. And it was hot as fuck because there's no air conditioning in this, you know, at this unit. And uh, it's like I said the other day, people were just like, because it was just so hot, you can't process anything anyway. But so she's standing there. All right, everybody motivate your mind get yourself together uh, uh, uh. jennifer i'm gonna drop a slip on you if you do not participate so here i am <laughs> motivate your mind get yourself together one two three four Woo! and it's like i'm fixing to get another charge if you don't get out of my face screaming and it was like, this is to teach y'all discipline to get up and make your beds and get motivated for the day. Okay, well, I don't get motivated like this. This actually irritates the fuck out of me. Um, it was just to just set my day off every day, Marcy. And it was just those back-to-back -back groups um, with every once in a while going to see your counselor in the other building. So um, you may have lucked out a little bit in having not to do all the 
So some of those songs, some of the other dorms did participate in those kind of songs because we would hear them <laughs> and we'd be like, what the heck? But we, we didn't. And it was, like I said, we were shut down. So it really wasn't required. Um, speaking and Melanie says it sounds like military style, but there you actually do sing cadences mm-hmm. to and from chow or wherever you might be going as a dorm. Uh, and I remember there's a safe P uh, program at Huckleberry, Huckberry, Hackberry, Hackberry (laughs) at Hackberry in Gatesville. And we worked the host squad. um, And yeah, we worked the host squad right across for them and we would hear them chanting. And that's, I started wishing for no safe P then. Yeah. <laughs> and it was probably two years into my sentence. I was like, man, I hope whatever happens, I don't get safe pee. Were you uh, long? I mean, it was right when I first got there that they finally allowed us to keep all of our property when we got there, because previously you couldn't have any of your property for 30 days, which means no coffee, no, just basic bear hygiene stuff. Um, and even the commissary, you weren't allowed to buy coffee it was like, this is an addiction. And it's like, oh my Jesus, God, um, help me get through this Lord. Now, you know, we did have one counselor that he taught cognitive intervention, which was really helpful for me and my disorder in learning thinking errors and like really structured ways of thinking that are, that, that's unhealthy. Right. But if it hadn't been for him as a person, I mean, I wouldn't have got anything out of that. It, it was an absolute Nightmare. And you know, you may have heard this. You may have heard this statistic while you're there. I don't know. Um, But they told us a lot. I want you girls to look around the room. There's 30 of you women in here. (laughs) Three of you are going to stay sober and out of prison. Think about that. And everybody looked around and we were just sitting there during count one time. (laughs) Somebody said, man, only three of us, man, fuck this shit. And I said, no, no, no. I said, there's nothing wrong with us. There's something wrong with their program, because if this was a business model, they would be uh, completely bankrupt. It's not us. It's the program. Something's not working here. It's not that we're irredeemable. Um, And girl, it used to make me so angry. Did they ever tell you all that? Oh, yes, that was that. That definitely happened. And it wasn't just um, a counselor situation. That was kind of thrown at us by staff. like we weren't worth much more than that. And uh, we weren't really maybe worth the investment or yeah. Hey, I got to ask you just because there's some people watching that probably went to Henley. Um, Was um, what were the word? Do you remember the officers there that were the worst? There was a, there was two women in particular that were really horrid uh, to us uh, officers. Um, do you, I want to see if they were there a year later when you got there, there was, um, Miss Bell. Oh yes. Oh my God. Hey, man, you're saying names and all, but I want to tell you something about Miss Bell. She, my first encounter with her, she was a, a seasoned correctional officer. She, um, 
and I'm not ever one to run to correctional officers defense. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not that girl, Tunchi, you know, but she had seen enough things mm-hmm. that she was calloused. Yeah. And abrasive. Um, she was one of those aggressive officers when we would go to chow and she was working the chow hall you weren't going to finish your meal (laughs) because you were, you know, close to the time that you sat down is when you're getting up. But I ended up working for her some Mm -hmm. while I was at Henley. Um, And I got to learn that a little bit, she's retired now. So I can just say, because she was retiring that next year after I got out. Um, She, I got to learn some personal things about her and some things in her life that, kind of made her that way, Tunchi. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, circumstances happen, I think, that bring people honestly into our criminal criminal justice system. The same thing, circumstances can make officers have those calloused uh, hearts and feelings and abrasive behavior. And not, I'm not condoning it. It's not appropriate. Uh, certainly not professional. But yes, she, she was scary. She was scary. Yeah. Yeah, her and um, Miss Santos. Her name was Miss. Oh, Miss Santos was there. Oh, you oh you already know. Yeah, that that, that is one. I'm gonna say the top three female officers that were the most nasty, vicious, hateful, mean, atrocious human beings that I've encountered. Uh, I'm just. I'm sorry, and I I don't. I normally try to to be a little bit gentle when it comes to saying people's names on here, but she was that bad. She was that bad. There was another lady. I want to say her name was Miss Sanders, but I I couldn't promise it. She was in, um, and I, I say older, and I really what I mean is my age older. <laughs> um, white lady. I don't know if you remember her. She she was very abrasive too. It's really interesting in that program. Um, because it is more boot camp-ish kind of a feel um, compared just to being in prison, that some of those officers kind of took on that role mm-hmm. um, when really, when it boils down to it, they're still security. Right. And there was there's no reason for security to dehumanize the people living in the place where they're supposed to be keeping it secure. You know, they yeah. weren't the counselor or therapist or they weren't running the program. And so it, it was, I also had my absolute favorite officer that I ever encountered um, was my, one of my other bosses while I was there at Henley. And uh, he is still at work, working there, but I'll tell you, he um, helped me. I, in the anxiety of knowing I was going home after being incarcerated for so long and my concerns about my new role as a free world mom and free world daughter and, and all of that, he, I worked and I didn't stop working, but he let me vocalize all of that while I was at work. And he was just a complete sounding board. He didn't cross any professional barriers or lines, but I wanted to say Justin Smith is on here and he says that he worked at Hackberry, not Huckleberry. <laughs> um, and how he's noticing so much, so many differences between units and that we find that in everything. 
Oh, yeah. You, you know, because the, the girls, when they would tell me, when I got to my halfway house, because after after Henley, after Safe P, you have to go to a halfway house unless you've got all this rigmarole set up with your family and they've got to go through all these hoops. So it's just easier to go to the halfway house. Um, they were telling me about, well, I went to Safe P at Hackberry or at, um, what was the other one? I can't, I, I thought you went to it, but um, very different. Like they were, they would get, programmatically they would get real consequences and lose their, so they were like sitting in what we called chairs. And so if everybody got in trouble or maybe one or two people in the group got in trouble, the whole dorm gets in trouble. And so they would get, put them in chairs where they would sit in chairs and have to stare at the wall and not talk for eight hours. Um, or they'd be on no talking bands and they weren't allowed to speak to anybody for three or four days. And, and so these, these, this weird pro programmatic stuff that, you know, we had to put up with it Henley, but for the most part, ours was the, the problems was the chaos of the unit of the staff of the security that our program people didn't do anything really most of the time, but at other units, they took their program even more seriously. And, and these women would get major cases for that petty stuff that we talk about women getting in trouble for. They would get major cases for it and lose their answers. So, and they'd go back to the unit um, and they lost their parole. And so I, it was my concern when I went to safety. And then I got to Henley and saw how ghetto-tastic, crazy, and out of control that unit was and how much the programmatic side didn't care. Um, at least, because girls would get in trouble all the time and, you know, nobody ever got their answer taken from them there. That, See, I saw people getting their answer taken during my time. Well, I remember somebody did for fighting or in, in having sex, but I don't remember like program, programmatic stuff for, I don't remember program. I don't remember program like not participating, or, but that fear was there that oh, it yeah. could happen. And so even when another inmate or person that's in white or incarcerated person is giving directives, um, it's set up so that they do have an authority. <laughs> I mean, it's set up that, every there's a hierarchy there and you're supposed to listen and that's that can be tricky mm -hmm. uh, very tricky you talked about having to be punished by being on a no talk for days mm -hmm. and Brittany my girlfriend she had been to safe p in, in her prior incarceration I think I don't even remember if it was a maybe probation safe p thing but she went to Henley also years ago and she was on that ban all the time mm -hmm. they anytime they saw her because she looks masculine and she's obviously lesbian anytime they saw her speaking to anybody that was not masculine she they put her on a no talking ban and it was her peers running her in yeah <laughs> it, was, it was it wasn't staff it came from her peers you know, we should, we, we should talk, uh, we should demonstrate. I really want to demonstrate this to people because it is the number one group that everybody avoids. And it, it's the number one group that you can't get out of. Right. But they tried desperately to get out. Oh, I got to go to work. I, I, I can't be in this group. And it was like, you do not get a pass for missing encounters. <laughs> it is the crux jewel. Oh, 
of the behavior modification program. And it was this way in TYC. And Marcy, you know the stuff that happened to me when I was a kid at TYC. This was the type of treatment and that we went through, behavior modification. So all this stuff is trick. Like I hadn't been through any of this stuff since I was like a kid. Mm -hmm. So they're doing all this. And I'm like, I am like freaking out and having panic attacks. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And then I realized, oh God, this is the shit that we had to do when we were kids. Um, so <laughs> let's do an encounter. How many prisons are there in, in Texas women's prisons? There's a lot. And why do we not know this number? Gosh, uh... I get asked it often enough, but for sure. So Plain State, Lockhart, um, San Saba, and then in Gatesville, we have the Crane Units, Lane Murray, Mountain View. Hilltop. Hilltop. Bobby. So, and that's seven, but the Crane actually has satellites. So it has little prisons, several little four. units within yeah. their umbrella. So, so um, it's a lot. There's 9,000 women incarcerated in Texas. So I did want to say that. Um, yes. So, yeah, the encounter group. So the encounter. Yeah. Um, first, first of all, throughout the week, you are required to drop slips. Your counselor, part of your program, she says, I want you to drop X amount of slips, three, five, seven, whatever she says on people. And that means you're going to write a piece of paper that says, I saw Tunchi, <laughs> you know, take a sip of Coke when we weren't, when we were in group and we weren't supposed to have anything to drink, right. you know, or whatever. I saw Tunchi get in the shower after the showers were closed. I saw Tunchi not make her bed up or whatever the case may be. It was always something really silly. It was rarely for something real because frankly, we were all, especially on our side, we had just made parole, right? <laughs> we're trying to go home. Like we're not doing anything. So, um, yeah, that, that's how it starts. And then you're in the encounter group. Right. So you can imagine you've got 30 women. So we've all dropped our slips. We all have to drop a, a certain amount of slips, um, that we've been holding people accountable. Right now, eventually we all discover, Hey, we need to write each other up. Hey, I'm going to write you up for this. You write me up for that. Like, we need to protect each other. Don't fucking write me up for something real. <laughs> like, man, there were people in our dorm that were having sex or trafficking, trading or eating and, and cooking together. Like it was this, uh, you know, this understanding that we're not going to put each other on blast for real stuff. Now it did happen when people got into it with each other. And those were, I would tell, I'd be sitting there Marcy, with my hands in my lap and I'd lean over to my neighbor. I'd say, Ooh, girl, get the popcorn because that's a real encounter slip. Um, but most of the time it was stuff that was petty so that we could just get through it and mark the box off. But every, but even when it was just petty stuff, we still, people got so anxious because it is that I, I think the intention of encounters in this type of therapy, at least this part of it is to try to teach people how to have healthy conflict and conflict resolution and to be able to like really look at why the things that are bought, like if Marcy did something and it just, it triggered me so badly, it's not Marcy, it's me. It, it's, and that's what the core of that, but it wasn't ever done right. The counselor never, ever did it right. Um, so 
this is what would happen. Everybody would be in the day room and they'd be sitting in one big circle. And then there would be an inner circle of about, I don't know, I think it was about 12 chairs, maybe fewer, maybe six. And it, it, well, it was kind of like a rectangle because at the head would be the person that's getting confronted. And then over here is the person that dropped the slip and the counselor is walking around. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'll, I'll do it right now. Okay. So the inner circle is the one that will ask questions, almost like attorneys during court to try to get you to be able to see the thinking error that you did. So I would, I would be there looking at Marcy at the other end and we all have to sit 5-0, put your keys down. Mm -hmm. If you've got your key in your pocket, nothing in your hand that you could stab somebody with. Um, hello, family. Um, I'm bringing Marcy to the circle today. So I saw Marcy when we were on the way to Chow. She was talking when Officer Bell had given us a di directive to be quiet. And under her breath, she said, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> she was also using profanity. And I asked her in line to please check her behavior. Um, and she said, that I could also go fuck myself. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of times we would do this and just like inward, inwardly be laughing, but sometimes people were actually, you know, mad, right? But you can't laugh. You can't. Because that's a huge infraction. Honey, that's, I got in trouble a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I would have to say thank, uh, thank you, Tunchi, for bringing that to light, to my attention. I'm and, sorry, family. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I would say this reminds me of the times that I would tell my brother to be quiet and my dad would beat us because he wouldn't be quiet. Right. And then Marcy, you know, says, uh, thank you, si sister. Remember? Yes, yes you're right. Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister, um, for bringing this to my attention. And then we'd open it up for the inner circle. So then one of the people in the inner circle would say, I put my, you remember we used to do that for, okay. Marcy, what were you thinking when you said that you didn't give a fuck? What were you thinking? I, I think I, I wasn't thinking. I think I was just frustrated because it was 110 degrees outside and I was walking in the heat and trying to get to the chow hall. So then someone else would say, Marcy, I heard you just say, for what I heard you just say was that you weren't thinking at all, okay? And we know that thinking error, you know, deflection or blaming and justifying, whatever thinking error that you could use for that, right? And I would say, you are always thinking something. So something was going on. You, We are not without thoughts in our heads. So um, you're not being open and you're not being receptive, so can you please tell the group what you were thinking when you said that? <laughs> You're giving me flashbacks. <laughs> You're mean, Tunchi, and you probably Honey. dropped a lot of slips. No, ma'am, I did not. The slips <laughs> I dropped were on myself and other people's names. <laughs> I dropped them. Um, uh, Tune, I'm bringing you to the circle because I had this pimple on my forehead and you said I look like a unicorn. It was so big and it hurt my feelings. <laughs> I did that one time and I got called to the circle for it. And that was a real one because I was just joking. And I told her, I said, I was just joking. 
and baby, they nailed me. They railed into me. And, you know, you know me, I'm just going to continue to slip by it. I'm not going to accept responsibility for it. You're going to slide right under the radar. Meanwhile, I'm going to get into it with the head, the head incarcerated person who's trying to run the program during COVID when we haven't been instructed to do anything but read our paperwork. Yeah, but you're going to be sliding right under the radar. The, the, the laws don't even know your name probably at Henley. And I'm getting called to, to the well, counselor's office. You, but let me tell you something, though, Marcy. That whole thing about me looking butch, even though we all know I'm a soft butch and I like Taylor Swift and cats and I cry a lot. Um, <laughs> so I'm not a hard butch. I'm not a stone butch. Um, but in their eyes, I've got short hair and I hang out and make girls laugh. So I must be some type of apex predator. Uh, I, I don't know. But there was a girl that we were getting in line and baby, I couldn't, you know, life at Lane Murray at Mountain View at Crane, you don't tolerate people. You just don't tolerate people's bullshit. And, and there were a lot of people that were there that almost felt like, you know, they had done two months at Marlin or two months at Lane Murray. And I mean, they were, they still had that mindset of county jail, <laughs> you know, so they're talking shit and uh, don't tell me. And I'm like, I cussed this girl out and I went to go get in the shower and my friends from Mountain View, they were like, you know, she called you a doc or whatever. And I said, <laughs> well, I cussed her out or whatever. Well, everybody went to chow and you know, the officers are not in the dorm. And so I don't know if you, uh, well, I think she was at Lane Murray, but her name was Lindsay. And she went and closed those two doors. <laughs> okay. She just mm -hmm. went and closed them. And that girl was over there on her bunk and there was only a handful of us in the dorm. She closed the door and I'm in that little shower, that nasty little fucking shower. And I hear, <laughs> and I said, what the hell is going? I come out and they have drugged this girl down the aisle and beat her ass. And she was, and what did she do? She, uh, she ran, as soon as she got up, she ran straight to that door, went out and was banging on the, the door where the officers were in the, and uh, so they took her out and the sergeant came, the lieutenant came in there. Everybody show me your hands. And they moved me because mm -hmm. they believed it was me that beat her up. And I'm like, I know you maybe looked at my charges and you think that that was me that beat her up, but it was these three sweet looking feminine girls that, you know, didn't like what she said to me that we're, you know, that's how we, that's how we rolled on the bigger units. You don't do that. But I got no. the brunt of it because, because of the way I looked and they thought it was me and I almost got a major case and it was like, you know, they couldn't prove it. Well, they kept threatening us. And I'm like, no, 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 no. TDCJ policy. No, sir. Uh, you don't do 20 years. And then you're going to tell me, you will write me a major case for some shit you didn't see. But if an officer didn't see it and a camera didn't see it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but now I, I, so that was the one time that people, they thought that I was, Anytime I got moved to a new unit, they did that to me. Uh, and then if I was there long enough, they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's just Toonchi. Leave her alone. That's just Toonchi. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but those those encounter circles. And, and this would go on for an hour. It would go on for an hour. And um, everybody hated them. I, I, I kind of enjoyed them because I thought they were interesting. Because I don't have a problem with conflict. I, I don't care. 
so what? Well, bring it. Let's. What question are you going to ask me? I'm just going to throw some different logic at you. Try to pin me. I always saw it as like this intellectual wrestling match, but the girls would just break out in sweats. Marcy, you already know women aren't. Yeah, it would get and it and if it was a real encounter. If it was something that somebody really felt ugly about and was trying to call somebody else out on, it got heated. I mean, there was, that's why you had to have your hands open palm on your lap because they didn't, they wanted to see your hands and that they were empty, that you didn't have a weapon in it because that's how heated things got. Um, And so what was the resolution? Like, what what did you get out of those groups? Entertainment? For me, I got... I, you know, I, I did at least look at it. You know, I, I try to, to pull nuggets of gold and wisdom out of the horrible things I've been through, but I'm, I was looking at it as well, you know, they kind of have a point here. Like the whole point of this is being able to confront somebody when they've done something that bothers real things. I, I understood the difference between this is bullshit, but like if this was something serious um, and then having that, piece where you say, and this reminded me of a time. And so it really got me to look at the things. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at what this reminds me of. Um, and maybe you did do something that was fucked up, but this is, this is more about me and my thinking. And then to be able to piece apart and I would watch people and I would listen to them defend themselves. And I could see the errors. I could see the thinking errors, the blaming the justifying and um, you could see people's resistance to accountability. And so I thought that was interesting and it helped me in my own journey to be able to, to look at the ways that I think, but for the most part, because they didn't do the group, right. um, It was always just either joking around laughing. What could we say that was the funniest thing to get us through or those times that people, man, one time this girl said, I told the girl that was the dorm president, I said, honey, leave that, that girl that got beat up. I said, leave her alone because she's got a mouth on her. And well, I need to to hold her accountable. But I said, bitch, you can't hold nobody accountable. You're having sex in the bathroom. You get, you, you don't get to hold anybody accountable about anything. I said, because see, you haven't done real time. The first time you open your mouth about Uh something, they're going to go for the juggler and it's going to be that and your little girlfriend. And she didn't listen to me, Marcy. And she called this girl to the encounter circle. And that girl sat there and she said, well, that's weird coming from you, seeing how you just got your stuff in the bathroom last. We all said, Dang. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then it turned in this hole. They got, had to get between them. They were fixing a fight and all this other stuff. Um, it does get heated. <laughs> it absolutely does. I, you know what I was thinking about the, the criminal addictive cycle. Did you guys do that? Oh, you had it. To, yeah. Where you have to think through every step. Yes. Yes. Uh, and that was you, we had to do one of those. I want to say every day we had to have. Yes. One we did. And so you had to think of, I mean, unless you just really committed a lot of real crimes and some people that that's the case before they, came to terms with what they wanted to be in life or whatever. But if you only just had a handful, you had to start digging because what it is is you have to pick something that you did, a crime or something against the rules or 
I mean, just something you were ashamed of. And so then you're just really having to dig into that and just kind of the, the idea of thinking about those things, like digging into past, okay, I took a bunch of money and I know all the consequences. Like I could do that cycle a thousand times, what it did to my family, just the whole thing. I could do that in my head a thousand times. But when you start digging into, oh, but when I hung up on so-and-so on the phone because they made me mad, like that's something you could work through. And it started making me look at maybe smaller things does yeah. that make sense? No, yeah, because we, we did have to do that damn... Um, um, Criminal addictive cycle. cycle. Yes, so and so it, it, the, the buildup and then um, the ways you start justifying. Right before you you do it, you, you immediately... And I was like, damn, I did. <laughs> like, right. so kind of you, you, you start preparing yourself to why you're right in doing this thing. Um, and, and, but you know, you're right. It's like, there is a, a part of that that became so redundant that now it's losing power because I'm just making up shit to turn in because this is, this is just get y'all in, get y'all out. If, if the things that were impactful about that program, which was the cognitive intervention stuff, which is what the part of the cycle thing is, um, and the encounters, if it could have just really only been that in a, in a, group setting that was, you know, healthy and, you know, not 130 degrees and not with screaming officers terrorizing you in ways of just were horrific. Well, if the fear was taken out, right? Yeah. If the fear, the fear of losing your parole answer, the fear of getting a frivolous, frivolous case from an officer, the fear of getting talked down to, because even though people think, Oh, you know, you, words don't hurt or whatever, they absolutely do. So when somebody comes at you aggressively or in an inhumane way or disrespectful way, and they're in complete authority, that just makes it that much more harsh, right? Yeah. So what I love is how we we can take, we as people can decide when we're put in the most crummy situations, um, we can still pull, just like you said, those little nuggets and we can still learn, we can still get something from it, even if it's forced. All of these forced classes I had to do after prison as a result of Safe P, which we definitely need to get to. And I, I want to answer this question. I'm going to come back to it about three positive things that we had in prison. But um, that, yeah, I mean, that's a part of the Safe P too. It, is, it doesn't just end there. You're not just finished with the program. Then you go, you have to go to a halfway house. And then that's a therapeutic community there. And it's, so you're there. And then from the halfway house, when you go home, you have aftercare. And now you're going to these classes. And for me, it was 100% substance abuse classes and AA meetings. And I have no history of that. Yeah. But here I am. What can I learn from it? What can I hold on to it? What can I bring to other aspects of my life? What can help me have an understanding for people that are in recovery? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, we, the, at least through the steps, once you got to the halfway house and then to the aftercare in your community, it, you do start to get 
more of the the therapeutic stuff without the the fear and the prison and all that. Now, I mean, you're going to get in trouble with your parole officer if you don't go to those meetings, um, right? Especially being on that monitor. But I will say, I'm I'm really glad that I had that because I was in a bad place in my head and in a in you know, living situation with my parents. It was, I thought, oh, you know, in, in safe P when they were like, well, you know, even family will be a trigger. And I'm like, oh, my parents are, you know, little quiet old people, you know, there's no drugs and no this. I, I thought, and they would tell me this has nothing to do with that. <laughs> it still can be triggering in the ways that are triggering for you. And I was really grateful that I had the counselor that I had in my aftercare and the one at the halfway house. The halfway house was trash, right, in Beaumont. It was absolute garbage. Um, the staff stole our food. I was hungry a lot because I didn't, I couldn't leave. And uh, Jennifer's not on here, but she used to bring me food back from Subway against the rules because they would steal our food. They would come drop off food, TDCJ budget, fill up the pantry. We'd spend all day packing that food in there. And two days later, we'd go in there and all be gone because they would put it in their car and take it home. Um, but I did have a counselor there in, in aftercare that was a real counselor to me and, and really helped me with the cognitive things that I needed because I didn't, I, I didn't have the problems with substances that the other ladies did. Um, and AA, I had to go three times a week and I learned listening to people that those thinking things like really just challenging the way I think about stuff. And I did learn some things. So that part was useful. Going to an AA meeting when you're not a drinker, that it's a little bit, <laughs> you want to have a drink when you leave those meetings. Sometimes it's, it's harsh. That's tough. And I, I, I think, you know, a lot of people use AA to, for their sobriety. And I mean, they, they have a track record that, that I'm just saying, but golly, man, those meetings were rough. They were rough. I was so glad when that part of my parole stipulation was up when their that box was checked and I was done with that because they were rough. Well, it, well, one of the things that I remember Marcy is that the girls at Henley, a lot that it was beaten into our head that abstinence and AA and those groups were gold. Mm -hmm. You had to. And a lot of times the women would say, this doesn't work for me. I don't like it. I don't feel comfortable with it. And this is not what works for me. And so when I um, took the training to be a recovery coach um, with, with substance use, wow, um, some people abstinence doesn't work for them and they do harm you know, mitigation, they, they do harm reduction and they may, you know, not use heroin anymore, but they may drink a lot. Um, you know, they kind of change one boss for another that's not as harmful and that works for them and they have successful lives. And I'm like, well, damn, well, no wonder that program didn't have the success that it wanted to, because it tried to squeeze everybody into a certain type of treatment that doesn't work for everybody. And just like you said, with with everything in life, everybody's so different between the way we learn, the way we heal, the way we process. You can't just funnel everybody in one direction. So we're having some good feedback here. So Diane, she went to Safe Pete 
in the mid nineties, I think she said 94 and she's comparing and like, it hasn't changed much <laughs> because she's been talking in these comments like that. Yes, that's, that's how it was. That's I remember. And she talked about being in the middle of the encounter circle and um, yeah. So that was pretty interesting that it hasn't progressed much. Right. Well, and if, if we're using just one model of care, um, what going on 30 years later, um, the, if the statistics and, and the statistics do show that not very many people are successful, uh, after having been through safe P and ITPC. And, and again, I go back to the, the research that, the Texas Center for Justice and Equity did about safe P um, and that it shows that. And uh, so maybe we need to do something different um, and, and maybe embrace the things that are working in other areas. Well, and just Justin Martinez coming in hot, always <laughs> coming in hot. Facts. Um, I just love Justin because he's um, so educated with statistics and the actual facts, but then just has a heart for restorative justice. And he says they don't do anything to help with the larger structural and systematic failures that can lead people to use substances. And I think that that's kind of the core to our the problem with our entire legal system in this country is it's reactive. Mm -hmm. Every it's all reactive. Oh, she did this. Well, now we have to do this. It's crime and punishment. It's not. Oh, we have this five-year-old little girl who's growing up in poverty and getting touched by her dad every day. Let's do something here. Right. It's not there. Right. They wait until this young lady grows up and then starts self-medicating with substances and then starts having to deal with all of her mental health issues caused by her childhood trauma. And then she gets into a lifestyle that causes her to land in prison. And now, now we want to do something. Well, let's yeah. put our resources on the forefront. Yeah. Well, and, and just think how, how useful uh, the good things about this program would have been without the fear-based shit and been offered at the beginning of our incarceration where we could really have processed this stuff instead of me worrying about, well, I don't know where I'm going to live or have a job. And now you're wanting me to reflect on all this, this, I can't, I don't have time for it. I can't, my brain can only hold so many uh, intense emergency things at once. Um, so yeah, it, and two, you know, criminalizing addiction, do, do, do most of those women that were we were there with uh, that had substance use disorders, their crimes were really crimes of addiction and mm -hmm. they should have been there in the first place. Absolutely. That's absolutely the truth. Tenchi, we only have a couple more minutes before the hour. You guys, are there any more questions you want to ask? I want to answer this one. You didn't sing, Marcy. You didn't sing any Safe Peace songs. I sang... Well, do you want a gold sticker, Tunchi? <laughs> do you want a pat on the yeah, back? I told everybody, we, I got everybody here tonight based on no, who's going to sing. They are here tonight to learn about Safe P and to hang out on the rec yard because it's we have ugly law in there and we don't want to be inside getting yelled at. That's why we're here on the rec yard. You may why are we promises. here? <laughs> why are we here? I don't know. That. Wait, that was the thing that they made us chant at the end of group. Oh, the, we did do that. Yeah. So the 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 counselor would end and say, "Okay, everybody, why are we here?" And we'd all stand up. 
We are here to end the running and hiding from ourselves. Yes, right? it was a whole thing. Into, yeah. And you're right. I remember that. And we did that sadly on our own without a counselor. It was brainwash stuff. And, and it know, goes it goes to that weird place of fear does not motivate people for change. Only positive goals motivate people to really change. And, and, and I heard it all the time, the six months. Well, do you want to end up back here? Well, bitch, I didn't want to end up back here the second time I came. <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to the first time. Fear doesn't motivate people. Only positive, healthy goals do please go ahead sorry no that's okay because then i was also thinking about you want to go back to where you came from meaning back to the prison unit (laughs) i was like yes but and there were moments in there because the thing is during that time in your incarceration when you've already done your sentence and now you're here your mind is going crazy thinking about yes where am i going to live where am I going to work? Who's going to hire me? How's it going to be when I go back home? What, you know, who's picking me up? Because some people didn't know who could pick them up from the halfway house. I mean, this, these are real life concerns, how people are going to survive. And we're getting yelled at. And, and that's when they taught that time in your life. That's when they want to say, okay, now we're going to fix you. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Okay. Top three moments. In prison, at least two, because we're we're short on time. Honey, they, there's an ICS. Okay, so they're not going to get us off the rec yard anytime soon. <laughs> okay. So um, the count hadn't cleared, and so okay. we're not going anywhere. And if okay. you need to go to the bathroom, you're just going to have to hold it. So we don't have to rush. We don't have to rush. Um, I'll go first with you do one. It. Okay, do it for sure. Um, and it wasn't so much like one moment, but for sure on the rec yard playing volleyball in F dorm on the Dr. Lane Murray unit. That was the only rec yard that was large enough to have a good volleyball game where the volleyball didn't end up in the razor wire all the time. So, but, and we played hard, we played hard out there and that doing that physical exercise as a community with the ladies, taking your mind off of your incarceration, off of all of the things that come with, being in prison and being incarcerated, that, that was, that was it for me, for sure. Yeah, I I agree with you, right? Like the, the positive things that I remember and that I think about a lot and I miss a lot, you know, people are like, you miss prison. No, I miss, I miss y'all. You know what I mean? Like we had, we did have positive things that would happen, not very often, but you know, we would make the best of what we had. We had our volleyball and softball tournaments, you know, and that was a big deal. I don't, I know Marcy, I know you're frustrated that Mountain View had a bit more support. Yeah, you were on cookie camp having softball tournaments. Now we were not having softball tournaments. Those, those, those things came at a price though, because when people acted out, it was, it was bad. It was bad. So let us have our volleyball tournament, okay? Um, teaching peer education, I really enjoyed that because when I got out the first time, I worked at AIDS Foundation Houston, and I would go back in and train people. I really love public health education. Um, uh, so that really, that gave me a lot. And the library, just doing all the stuff, all the you know, it made me feel like a person. It made me feel like I was really at work, and it made me feel like the things that I was doing on the unit mattered in terms of educating people, 
um, sticking up for people when shit went bad. Um, so I think it was just whatever group activities we could do with each other, even if it was in the dorm celebrating my birthday, we watched Footloose and Hunger Games and, and had tamales. Some of my best birthdays, a lot of them were there, but some of my best ones were, were really honestly in that day room. Um, so same, that's the same. There's something to say about being around that sisterhood of women that are all in the same place and the same mindset. We're struggling the same, finding joy and friendship with one another. That's, that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. And so I have to say, I don't have to say, but I, I definitely better m mention my girlfriend because we did meet in prison. <laughs> we definitely be the top one. Mark. Yes, that's my. I was working up to my number one. Brittany, oh, okay. if you watch this later. Um, <laughs> so she there is one thing we. If I saw Tunchi from across the rec yard or from across the maybe chow hall um, and she's my friend and I care about her and I love her, I'm going to throw her a heart. So if, if some people, if you've been a woman in a Texas prison, you know this. You know what this means. And you know a big one and you know a little one. Okay. And it's all the same, sending you love. So Brittany, I can sometimes look at her now and it's, you know, we got separated. She got moved to a different unit. So it had been, you know, three years before, since we were together in prison now. And I, there's sometimes I look at her and I can see her stand way going into the J1A building or the J1 building in Lane Murray and me way over at K2 and and her just throwing her just looking at me throwing a heart and it's just the that I could that's a, a moment for sure that's in my mind like it's just her showing me she loves me telling me she loves me and um yeah but for sure it's the people every moment we had was people yeah. Every good moment for sure. Yeah. I, I have a, a friend that she was at, at, at Mountain View for 20 years and her name was Janet, but we called her JLo. And, uh, she was a very, uh, she had her problems. Don't get me wrong. Um, but she was a very jolly, happy, laughed all the time. She was Honey, she don't cross her though. <laughs> she, she got that old school, like she going to be dirty as fuck. But um, Janet kind of took me under her wing when I got to Mountain View because I was so depressed, Marcy. I was back in prison. I was so depressed. Um, and, uh, you know, she would cook and then we'd watch scary movies on Friday night. And um, she she passed away of COVID uh, two years ago. Um, and it, you know, sometimes I'll think about her and I'll think about that time. And it's just like, you know, I look. I lived for those moments when I was locked up for us to sit at the back table and write our letters, <laughs> share stories. And then what are we going to cook? And then it's, you know, some raggedy old horror movie that we've all seen 30 times. And we sit up till one o'clock talking shit, drinking coffee. And, and, you know, there are times that I'm here that I do feel lonely. You know, um, you're surrounded by people all the time. Uh, I don't know. I think the loneliness out here is, probably on par with the loneliness, just in a different way. Um, I certainly miss her and um, all the, all the fun shenanigans and crazy stuff we all did together to survive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tunji, we have to decide what we're talking about next week and what's up. 
What are we doing? Oh. So I have a I have a friend. She just got out of prison. Maybe we could do something about getting out challenges when you first get out. That's my idea. Do y'all have any ideas? Anybody in the chat? Tunji, have you had been thinking about anything? I'm sorry. I, I hurt my back earlier chasing the cat. And it's, it's, I feel like I'm sitting down and it feels like my whole skeleton is just, it's just shoving upwards towards my brain. <laughs> Take a deep breath. What have I been thinking? Um, no, I would love to. I like when everybody has ideas that are watching because yeah. it feels fun. I feel like it's. I do too. And we have a lot of people joined right now. Does anybody have any suggestions or something that you I mean, guys have been you, wanting something to know you're about? curious about? Nothing's off limits. As long as we can get away with censorship on all of our platforms, nothing's <laughs> off limits. Um, and Lauren Johnson had mentioned pets one time. So that's an option too. Pets in prison. We talk about pets. The, that's true. We talk about pets. We could talk about food. We could talk about relationships. We could talk about whatever. Now everybody got quiet. Yeah. I don't know. Tunch. I want to make sure I'm not missing anything. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Well, Maybe we could um, we could do the pets. We could do in, we could do inmate relationships. Coming home is a great. Oh well, everybody seems to be on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that's the biggest struggles newly released. And the reason I said that. Um, Oh, my mom coming in hot with prison family structure. We haven't really talked about that too much on here either. So that's a good idea. Um, but we have food, cooking. So these are our options, Tooch. Um, prison family structure, prison cooking or food. Um, and that might be an episode you and I need to do when we're together. We can have a cook-off or something. Oh, but, boy, because, you know, I don't, I just bought the food like Laura did. I just bought the food. Yeah, <laughs> so I'll win. I love it when I know I'm going to win. <laughs> Coming home, because I, I think my friend would join us for a little bit and we could get some insight. She's been home one week and she's already, like, hit the hit the ground running. She's seen a reentry services. She's gone to the Texas Workforce Commission. And I think she would be a lot of give us a lot of insight. Okay. So I mean I just do whatever you tell me to do. You yeah. just oh well let's make sure to put that comment on the screen. Well of course. Now if it said Tunchi is an amazing prisoner. No, because I, I would put it up there. there. Uh-uh. I'm not going to let you get away with gaslighting everybody on this call. When I wanted to put up the, I made you put up the comment last week about what a, an amazing librarian I was. And you were like, Ugh. well, first of all, I need it to be made very clear that you don't make me do anything, but you oh, did. God, here me. we go. Cause we were talking about safe P <laughs> remember, take responsibility for your own behavior. I don't make you feel anything. You make yourself. feel. <laughs> we have to go. We have to wrap this up guys. Y'all okay. have been awesome. We have sure enjoyed um, visiting with y'all on the rec yard tonight. We will be here again. Same time. Same place next Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Rec Yard Live. Listen, guys, if you have not 
subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to the YouTube. We continue to send it everywhere because y'all are everywhere, but we, yes. we're trying to, to grow the YouTube. And Marcy, I need to fix our podcast stuff. So after you wave, don't just hang up on me like you normally do. <laughs> okay, guys, <laughs> let's, we're wrapping it up. Love y'all. I'm going <laughs> to love y'all. We'll see you later. Thanks.